Pastor Melvin Vega, um, he's an apostle and pastor, and I would even dare say that there's an evangelistic anointing on him too, because he goes from region to region and is stirring up revival in different areas. He has a humble heart, a beautiful family, um, great ministry in Chicago, and he, you know, we've been linked together, and I look forward to going out there soon. But today, he's going to come and share. I also want him to share some of what he's doing in the different regions, uh, so feel free to do that. Uh, Pastor, will you come and um, present your family? Um, let's let's uh, give thanks to God. Let's welcome this uh, apostle. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a strong hand clap offering. One that he is worthy of. Hallelujah. Un aplauso fuerte, Jesús. Come on now. One that he is worthy of. A strong hand clap offering. Come on. A strong hand clap offering unto the Lord. One that he is worthy of. Un aplauso fuerte, Jesús. Come on. One that can reach the heavens, hallelujah. One that can reach the heavens, hallelujah. One that can reach the heavens, hallelujah. Come on. When, when the world... Uh, when the world does not want to present the church as the news, uh, we have to become the news unto ourselves. Uh, come on. When the world uh, does not want to hear our noise, uh, we got to become a noise unto ourselves. Uh. That's why the Lord, that, that's why, that's why the Lord has called you. The Lord has called you to make some noise. Uh. Come on. The Lord has called you to make some noise. Uh. The Lord has called you to make some noise. The other day I was thinking uh, as I was growing up, and I think it's a cultural thing. When you meet certain people, and uh, it's almost improper for you to present the gospel to somebody else because it's your personal thing. But that's a lie of the devil. Come on. See, the Lord didn't call you to make this a personal thing unto yourself. Uh, the Lord called you to make this personal for you and everybody else. Come on now. The Lord is trying to shake the, shake the church. Come on. If you think that uh, what's happening in this nation is sheer coincidence, it's time for the church to wake up because the Lord is doing things uh, so that the Lord is doing things and the, the Lord is doing things so that you will open your eyes uh, and you will open your ears uh, and that you will be shook you will be shook you will be shook so if what's happening around you is not shaking you come on yes if what's happening around you is not shaking you let me tell you if what the Lord is allowing to happen, this nation is shaking you. You can get a visitation of the Lord and he'll shake you. Come on. 
praise. You can be seated for a second there. Come on. My name is Apostle Melvin Vega, and uh, this is my beautiful wife, Pastora and Prophetess Lily Vega. Amen. Go ahead, stand out, baby. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. This is my nephew, Samuel Reyes. He's available, and I'm collecting the Redeemer's price. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on now. The church has got to make some money somehow. Come on. <laughs> but the Lord is good, and His mercy endures forever. You know, as I, I was growing up, Chicago... It was not a second home to me, but New York was. As I was growing up and uh, I was involved in a lot of things, I, I probably was involved in about everything you can mention and think of. But uh, as, a, as a kid, I would leave my house and come to New York to hang out at the clubs. And it's funny because yeah, I was 14 and 15, I was still going to the Roxy's. And uh, come on now. I was going to the Burning Spear. Come on now. I'm talking a little bit a while ago. But I, the Lord does those kinds of things so, so that you know that you have a man who is genuine and he's from your background. Come on now. He's from your backyard. Come on now. And I would disappear for days. You know, and God was allowing things to happen in my life back then. Crazy things. I was involved in breakdancing, and it's why I came to New York all the time. But it's kind of funny because when you're involved in those things, other things happen too. So I was also involved in drugs. And as I was growing up, we became a, a drug dealer, a professional drug dealer. Come on now. <laughs> I overdosed more than 21 times. I was a, a regular at the hospital. They knew me by name. See, death, death cannot reach me. See, there's a lot of people that don't understand death. Death cannot reach you. For the Bible says in John 10, 10 that they are. the thief did not come. And we preachers, we read into it and we said the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says the thief did not come. But then it mentions his plan. And Jesus says, I came. Come on now. So if there's someone there trying to steal from you, trying to kill you and destroy you, that may be his plan, but it's not your destiny. So besides the point that I overdosed 21 times and was in car wrecks and whatnot, and of course back then I didn't know. I thought I was lucky. Amen? Amen? I thought I was lucky. And then, of course, God had a plan. Anybody know that God has a plan? His plan is not Social Security. Come on. <laughs> His plan has a, one letter, one word. It's called Bethel. 
His plan is called Bethel. Amen. He's trying to get you into his house. Amen. But we do something else. We do what is called Peniel. We take a left turn. So we have to go through Peniel before we get to Bethel. Come on. Come on. We have to go through Peniel before we get to Bethel. And we have to see God face to face. Uh, hallelujah. Come on. We have to see God face to face. Uh, and this is what this nation is going through right about right now. It's taking that walk. It took a left turn. It got off the road. And it's going through Peniel. But it has to happen. Because there, there are things that are hidden. Hallelujah. Do you think that the hatred and the bigotry and the racism that you see in today did not exist? It was always there. It's just coming out to the light. It's just coming out to the light. In order for things to happen, God has to expose sin and call it for what it is. Because God does not judge things that are hidden. God judges things that are in the open. So he brings it out to the open. So this is what he did for you. He gave the law. Expose your sin. You died because of the law. But then he introduced grace, and you lived, sin was exposed, and he judged sin at Calvary's cross. Come on. Hallelujah. So at the body of Christ, we're doing, we're doing many things. So our ministry in Chicago that God gave birth to. It's kind of crazy because the birth to our ministry was in September 11 of 2011. Amen. And our ministry is called Shiloh Family Worship Center. But the word Shiloh within itself is prophetic. Amen. Because if you didn't know, Shiloh is another name for Jesus. Because the Bible says in Genesis 49.10. Anybody know what that says? <laughs> I'm going to tell you the latter end. It says, until Shiloh comes. And it says, all the people will gather there and worship God. Amen. Until Shiloh comes, all the people will gather there and worship God. Come on now. So when, <laughs> when he was prophesying to his children, and he said to Judah, until Shiloh comes. So some things were going to happen until. Got it? Some things are going to happen until. So that's Peniel. Some things are going to happen until. So we are Shiloh Family Worship Center and we are called of God to, to do something that the body of Christ normally is just not doing today. There is more division in the body of Christ, uh, hallelujah, than there is in the world. So there is no reason why we should be uh, caught by surprise that the world is in division when the church of God itself is in division. Come on. So how can we look in the world and act surprised and look at the bigotry and the division and all the things that are happening when the body of Christ itself, come on. So all we're seeing is a reflection of who we are. 
Come on. So the Lord is calling us for a very important task. It's called breaking down the barriers. So Shiloh is called. Jesus is called. Come on. Because even Jesus said, I did not come here to bring unity. Come on. Hallelujah. But division amongst father, son, brother, sister. And he has to cause, he has to cause this to happen. In other words, what he was doing is he's bringing out, out into the light what is in darkness. Uh, when parents were against their children and children against their parents, that's a prophetic call. Because Elijah, the prophetic word, says, and in that day, he will bring back the children back to their fathers. So in the last days, when that word is fulfilling itself, that means there must be a division in order for unity to come to pass. So God is calling on Shiloh. I'm not talking about my ministry. I'm talking about the church in general. So, of course, we do things here and there. So, in our ministry, we're doing a couple of things. And our ministry, we do an underground worship, which is very important to us. In this ministry, what we do is, and as a matter of fact, everything we do, we always try to bring other churches in. That's our main thing. We've suffered a lot because of that. Because we're getting a lot of judgment. You know? But we're always trying to somehow, some way, bring churches together. Because that's what we're called to do. That's why we're called Shiloh. Amen. And we have Urban Revolution as our youth ministry. We're trying to revolutionize the urban youth. And the city youth. And the youth all together. Because we have to, we have to do the work of the Lord. Amen. But one of the things that we do is... Our ministry, in, in our ministry, we have this thing we call history breakers. Amen. Because the, the church is not called to repeat history. Amen. And, and the church is not called to make history. The church is called to break history. We are called to go against the grain. We are called to go against the tide. We are called to go against everything that's happening in society. We're called to walk against it and not with it. We're not to go in the tide of the world. We're going against the tides of this world. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. So in, in history breakers... We believe that Jesus Christ was the first history breaker. Amen. This is, what we, this is what we preach. Why? Because when Jesus came, he walked against all, all tradition of time. He said, you guys are breaking the commandments of law with the traditions of men. Yes? Amen. Amen. He walked against culture. Amen. And he did everything that men said was against God's law, but they were only actually following traditions. Amen. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. Amen. So in everything that he did, he had to fulfill God's law. Amen. So it doesn't mean that you're walking against God's law when you're walking against the tides of this world. Come on. 
Come on now. So, there is no wonder that on, on a day of this, like today's day, when, when you say, we're going to have a person, and he's from this place, that we don't have a crowd of people just ransack that place anymore. Because everybody's about doing their own little thing. And so this is what History Breakers is about. We're trying to tear down the walls of division within the body of Christ. And God, God has given us the ability to, to do great and crazy things. Great and crazy things. And the signs and wonders of God have been there through miracle signs and wonders. The healings, all different kinds and types. So right now, History Breakers, it, of course, originated in Chicago, but we've been in Massachusetts, and we had some brothers that took it in Colombia, and we've been in Puerto Rico there, and we're, we're, we're calling on God. Because God says, uh, if you ask of me the nations, I will give them to you. Amen. So we're trying to bring, we're, we're, we're talking, we're planning, and we're releasing the word that we want History Breakers to come to the Bronx, New York. Come on. And we're going to try and cause unity in the body of Christ. Amen. But we have to become friends first. Amen. Amen. Right? In order to work together. Come on now. See? Come on now. The church doesn't even embrace itself. I have a, a bad habit that whenever I meet a man of God, I kiss him in the cheek. So I was fellowshipping with, with the Baptist church, and I kissed the man of God in the cheek, and he looked at me kind of funny. <laughs> and he said, I'm not accustomed to having other men kiss me in the cheek. And when he gave me the mic, I said, what happened to the holy kiss of God? See, this is what happened. Oh, come on now. There's power in that. Mm. So, the Lord is doing great things with us. And I remember in our first history breakers, I preached for about 15 minutes. And everybody missed the message because people went to the bathroom. <laughs> people took bathroom breaks and they did this and they did that. And so I did an altar call, and we're ministering to people. And one of the young ladies who had come, she had driven from Indiana to Chicago uh, to be at this event. And uh, God was doing amazing things. And, and she brought her little daughter up. And she's Pastor, I want you to pray for my daughter. I missed the message. I was in the bathroom. <laughs> I go, what's wrong? And she said, my daughter was born with brain tumors. And on Monday, she's going to go in for surgery. I said, what's your daughter's name? I derailed the whole conversation. I said, what's your daughter's name? And she said, my daughter's name is Mia Gracia. And when she said the daughter's name, the Holy Spirit just came upon me, and I just felt the fire of God. I said, what would you say? I didn't even let her finish, and I just said it over. I said, listen to what this woman said. She said that her daughter's name is Mia Gracia. In other words, God just said to me, my grace is in this house. 
And I turned back to her and I said, God just said, my grace is in this house. Listen, go to the hospital on Monday. I'm not even going to pray. Your daughter's already healed. There is no tumor. There is no surgery. And that's exactly what happened. So my question today is, what, what does it take? What does it take for God to move you? So we're going to talk a, a little bit about who we are. Amen? And I'm a little bit old-fashioned, so I don't use, when I preach, I don't use tablets and, and phones and stuff like that. Amen? And that's okay if you do. That's okay. I just don't. Amen? In my church, <laughs> a, a certain phenomenon happened. Everybody was using iPhones, and they weren't paying attention to the message. So I was catching people texting each other in church. And I'm like, yeah. Tw- tw- tw-. And I thought they were texting about the message, but they weren't. <laughs> so then I said, guess what? The only time you can use your cell phones is like right about now. Everybody got cell phones on them? If you do, it's okay. I need you to take out your cell phone for a minute. Come on, take out your cell phone. I know you have one. Open up your Facebook account. Okay, if you don't have a Facebook, then you're not going to enjoy yourself in this moment. And now you're going to check in, and you're going to say that you're a Calvary Chapel. Come on. Come on, open your Facebook, and say, you check in, and say, I'm at Christian Calvary Chapel. Come on. See, everybody needs to know that you are at God's house. All right? So I'm trying to get everybody to recognize. So how can you make the news when you're not a news unto your own self? So you have to tell everybody, this is where I'm at at this time. The easiest way to promote this ministry is tell everybody that you are at this ministry at the time that you're at this ministry. Amen. And when you have family members that try to visit you, to try to tell you, uh, they, they come to visit you at the time you're supposed to be at church. You say, you could come, but you must come with me to church. And I guarantee you, either they'll stop visiting you or they'll come with you to church. Did everybody do that? So if you just, if you right now just checked in, praise the living God for you. Now you can shut off your cell phone. Amen. <laughs> Unless you're taking notes. And you don't want the Holy Spirit of God to bring out to light that you're not taking notes. (laughs) So in the book of Genesis, chapter 32. Yes, Genesis, chapter 32. Praise the living God. You can rise to your feet just for a couple of seconds. And we're going to read the last couple of verses. um, And that's uh, that we're going to use for this message. And it's going to be verse 30 and 31. Genesis chapter 32, verses 30 and 31. And it says, and Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, 
For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. Come on. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him. And as he passed over Penuel, the sun rose upon him. The Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, release the word upon this place right now, Holy Spirit. And I pray that this word would just go into the most deepest part of our spirits, of our souls, of our hearts, of our minds, of our bodies, of our joints, of our marrow, of our sinew, of our bones. Do a mighty work right now, Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. You may be seated. How many have prayed, God, I want to see you face to face? How many have prayed, God, I want to see your glory? How many have prayed, I want a visitation from God? How many, how many? God, I want to see you. Not understanding, not even thinking of what we're really asking. You know what it takes to see God face to face? You know what you will have to endure. For you to see God face to face, what you're really saying is, God, I want to see death. Mm. This man said, the scripture says, uh, that Jacob called that place Peniel because he saw God face to face, but yet his life was, in other words, God, he saw God, but he didn't die. Come on. He saw God. But yet he did not die. But the thing is that in order for him to get to that position, God had already preordained from before time and put in his GPS uh, Bethel. God had predestined, uh, God had preordained before time into you, Bethel. Well, how do you think you got here? <laughs> how did you think you got here? The scripture says that God brought you unto himself, mounted upon eagle's wings. How do you think you got here? How do you think you got here? How? Come on. How do you think you got here? This man said, I saw God face to face, but I didn't die. In other words, he recognized that what he really deserved was death, but he didn't get it. And in this scripture, so you have to read a little bit before, 
Jacob was up to being his own self. And because of being his own self, he had to flee from himself. Come on now. I, I, I don't know if you heard what I just said. Jacob had to flee for himself. When I was a kid, my teachers say, Mr. Vega, you are your own worst enemy. Come on. Amen. But he recognized Mr. Vega. Come on. He was prophesying into my life. In other words, he was calling me Mr. Vega. That means that he was really saying, someday you're going to be somebody. But at this point in time, at this point in time, you are detaining yourself from being the man or the woman that God has called you to be. Come on. So Jacob had to flee from himself, and then he went to his uncle's house where he was supposed to be in safety. And in return, he was really in bondage. Amen. That's the story of almost, almost every kid that goes through the foster program. They go to their family's homes, and they're supposed to be in safety, and yet they're in bondage. They've been abused. Come on. So for 26 years, this man was in bondage to himself. What was going on here was that uh, God was revealing Jacob to Jacob. God was revealing Jacob to Jacob. Because sometimes we look in the mirror and we don't even know who we really are. So it takes God, see, it takes for God to reveal to you who you are. Come on. So we look in the mirror. We don't know who we are. We don't know in the direction that we should be going. So now, the life struggle that we call life struggle is really God's preordained purpose to take you to the place where you need to be. Come on. Come on. For the Lord said in his word that Christ is the lamb that was slain from before the foundation of the world. And then he said in his word that he knew you. Come on. He knew you and he formed you and he shaped you in the womb of your mother with his very own hand. And that he called you by name. Come on. So he's telling you that before the foundation of this world, he already had a plan for you. So sometimes, hallelujah, you may be going through some mischievous things, but you need to understand that God is sovereign. And me, uh, he might allow the things that you have called sin and destruction. So, so they called this man Jacob. And it's not funny that they call this man Jacob and he becomes what his name is. 
So he becomes a usurper and a liar and a thief. Now what do you expect for your children to become if you continually call them stupid and you're an idiot, you're a dummy, you're not going to amount to nothing. See what I'm saying? Hallelujah. So now Jacob had to struggle with an almost awkward prophetic call into his life. So God allowed for him to be called Jacob so that he could persevere, not to be destroyed. Amen. And give you an example. My name is Melvin Vega. And I, I, I had to do this because I'm reading the scripture, and, and the scripture tells me in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, right? It says in Jeremiah 29 that his plans are higher than my plans. And that his plan for me is not to hurt me, but to prosper me. And I was looking at my life, and I said, Lord, my life is the opposite of your word. What's going on? Because I don't, I don't receive that. You know what I'm saying? I don't receive that. My life is the opposite of your word. I don't receive that. So he says, it's that your, the name that was given to you is not what you lived. And even though I had gone through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, come on. My name, my name, Melvin, means sword chief and gentle counselor. You see? And then my last name has two meanings. My, my, my last name by origin, Vega, means bright star. Bright star. That's when the Spaniards, when in victory, when they, they ruled and they conquered, the Spaniards, the name Vega meant bright star. But when the Islamic nations came in and the, they, they took over the Spanish empire, the Vega name, they changed it and they called it Fallen Vulture. So I said, Lord, I refuse to be a fallen vulture because I'm a rising star. I'm a sword chief and I'm a gentle counselor. See, I was living the name as a fallen vulture because it was a curse that was placed upon my family. Come on now, people. You need to find out a little bit about yourselves. What's happening in your life? Why? So when I came to Jesus, <laughs> then the mirror of my life started shining. And I started understanding why I had not died. Even I was a regular at the hospital and they knew me by name. And that song, it was prophetic, the song today. God had not forgotten me because he knew me by name. <laughs> Just like the hospital knew me by name. Just like the hospital knew me by name. God knew me by name. He never forgot me. He never forgot me. I'm going to tell you a crazy story. See, a lot of the things that happened to me, I was not serving God. But those things, as I go back and look at them, I said, man, God's hand was in it the whole entire time. I was, got to my house. I must have been about 11, 12 years old. I was always a street kid, and I wanted to go take a nap. And, 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 and we were 
living in his one apartment, and so there was a, a sets of beds in his one room, and I was getting ready to just put my head down on the pillow. Now, everybody, everybody here, you have your pillow. You always put your head in the same position, right? And I'm getting ready to put my head down on my pillow, and I heard this crazy voice tell me, don't put your head in your pillow. And then when I looked at my pillow, I didn't answer because I didn't know it was God talking to me. I thought there was a crazy thought going through my mind. And I heard the voice tell me right in my ear, brother, just like this. And I looked at my pillow, and I reacted. You know what I did? I'm left-handed. So I put my hand down on the pillow. I squished it down. And when I squished it down, a needle about five inches high went right through my fingers, exactly where I put, would have put my head. That thing would have went through my ear. You see what I'm saying? That was God's intervention for my life. Hallelujah. I know God is talking to someone right about now. See, God has intervened in your life way before you even came to him. God was in the midst, sometimes way before you even heard the name of Jesus. You haven't even heard the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, because there was so much confusion in my life that I didn't, Jesus who? Jesus was the mechanic next door. I didn't know who Jesus was. Even though I was brought up in a Catholic home, I was brought up in a religious ways, all these things that my parents did to be good parents, mass confusion was in my life. But then something crazy happened. Me and my wife, uh, we were in Colombia, not university. <laughs> I'm talking about the country, Colombia. And we were out there doing some business and deals. And when we came back, some of our good buddies uh, decided to, I use the word snitch, right? Hallelujah. That's a proper way to say it. They snitched us out. And then we had our wonderful friends from the DEA waiting for us at the airport. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, God decided that we were going to visit the most prestigious institutions of the United States for free. <laughs> and this is where this whole ordeal started. You see, I was in MCC Miami. Hallelujah. <laughs> I was in Atlanta Penitentiary. I was in Alreno, Oklahoma Penitentiary. I was at a Danbury, Connecticut, federal prison, uh, federal, federal prison, um, federal prisons, hallelujah. I was in Iowa, Pennsylvania, and then, last but not least, Lawrence, Massachusetts, you know. And that's what I call training camp. Hallelujah. And the scripture says something amazing. Right there in chapter 32, you don't have to open your Bibles. I'm going to start reading and just saying some things while I'm reading. It says, and he rose up at night. Chapter 32 of Genesis, verse 22, it says, and he rose up that night. And he rose up that night. I need you to listen to what I'm saying. And he rose up that night. There's going to be a night that God is going to cause you to rise up. There's got to be a night and he rose up that night because there were many nights, but there was a not another night like that night. 
I know that you know what I'm talking about. I know that you know. There are many nights in your life. (laughs) But there's going to come a night. Unlike any other. And you're going to recognize that night. Because that's the night that you're going to hear the voice of God. And he's going to give you explicit instructions. And he's going to tell you clearly, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to think that you're thinking to yourself. A thought pattern that just happens. I'm going to take all my kids. I'm going to do all this. And I'm just going to get out of here. Hallelujah. Well, that's what God told this guy. (laughs) It says he took his wives, two wives, and he took his two woman servants and his 11 sons, uh, and he passed over. You you understand? And he passed over. That word is very important. And he passed over. When you hear that word, and he passed over, it's signifying he made it. And he made it. Come on. That's that's what it's really saying. And he made it. Got it? And he made it. And he passed over. Well, he he was wise because uh, he actually sent his family over first. Isn't that what Jesus would do? Say, I'm going to send all of them over first. I'm going to die. Come on. So, something amazing happened. Says, and he took them and sent them over, over the brook. And he sent over that, that he had. And it says, and Jacob was left alone. That's the night that I'm talking about. That's the night that I'm talking about. See, that's, I'm not talking about every other night. I'm talking about that specific night that you're going to find yourself all by yourself. Hallelujah. And let me tell you something. When you find yourself all by yourself, you can have your father, your mother, your sister, your brother, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, your dog right next to you. But it's meaningless because you're still all by yourself. Sometimes you may be in the church, but you're still all by yourself. Hallelujah. The Lord did one of the greatest miracles of my life. And I'm not saying this to glorify me. I'm just saying this so that you understand God's mercy. And that's it. Pastor, I was a co-pastor of a church. I was an elder in a church. I was part of the board of directors. Hallelujah. I was doing youth ministry. Hallelujah. And I was doing the moonwalk at the same time. I was backsliding. And everybody was looking at Brother Vega at that time. And they might have thought the world of me. But they didn't see the broken man in the inside. They didn't see the broken man in the inside. Because that which was supposed to be the church actually had abandoned me. Me and my wife had separated. My family had split up. And instead of being a crutch, they almost like were stomping me down. 
That's what the church does. Not all of them. I've just got to be clear. I'm just talking about my personal experience now. That's why I said that. One time, in that state that I was in, I went to visit my wife, uh, and I took my sons. I took all these kids that I had with me, and I went to Puerto Rico, and I landed in Puerto Rico, and the first thing I did, and I'm saying it again. I'm, just, I'm talking about this just to demonstrate God's mercy. And the first thing I did when I got to my wife's hometown was I bought a Hanukkah. And I started drinking it, not because it was hot, but because I was backslidden. Come on now, let's be straight. And my wife said to me, what are you doing? Everybody here believes that you're a Christian. I go, everybody here don't know me. You want to hear God's power? As I'm chugging down the Heineken, I get a phone call on the cell phone. My grandmother had just had a massive heart attack. And her uh, 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 lung collapsed. respiratory. Her lung collapsed. So like God is amazing. While I was in my backslidden state, I get a phone call. And, and, and I, this, is, this is why the hand of God was. Because my grandmother was in Puerto Rico. A grandmother that I had not seen in over maybe 17 years. So my brother was there with me, and I, hey, you want to go see our grandma? No. So then I had a brother in Boston, and I called him. Hey, Danny, you get the news? Yeah. You coming to Puerto Rico? Yes, I'll be there Wednesday. Good. But I'm not going to go see my grandmother until you get here. And this is where we're connected. Hey, you want to hear something crazy? This is crazy. Your pastor and myself, we're from the same town in Puerto Rico. So when I grande, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't get better than that. It, wait a minute, it gets better than that. De Santana de Sabana Grande. <laughs> Woo! Now that's prophetic. Now that's prophetic destiny. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like being in your own backyard, playing. When the fences are there, you know that's, that's going to happen. So, my God, God is good. So I wait until Wednesday, and me and my wife and my brother drive to San Germán. That's the hospital where San Germán? Yeah. San Germán. And we get there. And the only thing that was keeping my grandmother alive was the machines. Call everybody and their mother because the grandmother is dying. That's the state I'm talking about. So she was dead. The only thing keeping her alive was the machines. So we got there and everybody was seeing the grandmother. Every 10 minutes, they were changing the people. So all of a sudden, uh, me and my brother, we get in there. And I was so backslidden that I walked in and I looked at my grandmother and it's like, that's my grandmother. And walked right back out. But as I'm walking out, see, this is God's mercy. 
As I'm walking, I was like, he tugged me. What are you doing? Your grandmother is going to die. Your grandmother is going to hell. And I, oh, I just felt, oh, my God. I just felt it all over my body, that disobedience. Hallelujah. And I started repenting. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And this is when you start calling on God. Give me one more chance. Give me one more chance. God, just give me one more chance. God, just give me one more chance. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And time was going by, and I'm watching my family members going in and out, in and out, in and out. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm sorry. And I'm in, in a corner by myself, and I had told my wife what had happened. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord told me this, and I was over there by myself talking to God. And I just kept saying, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. I must have repented, like, for the rest of my life. That's how many times I repented while I was there. <laughs> Give me one more chance. Come on, God. Come on. I don't know if you've ever been in that position. When you're saying, God, just give me one more chance. And God is so amazing because sometimes he knows that even if he gives you one more chance, he's still going to foil it. You're still going to mess it up. And he still gives you another chance. Even when he knows that you're going to mess it up, he still gives you another chance. Come on now. That's the God that you serve. That's the God that we serve. When we know, when he knows that we still got to mess it up and he gives you another chance. And as time is going by and there was 10 minutes, 10, 10 minutes left on the visitation clock. And the doctor comes out and says, you have 10 more minutes. Two more visitors go in. And my aunt, who is the eldest after my father, because my father was the eldest of all the children. God just moved her and immediately said, they are the eldest grandchildren. They have the right to see the grandmother. That was the name of God. So we walked in, and me and my oldest brother, and I said, give me three minutes. That's all I need. After he did whatever he did, my brother was in left field somewhere, and God gave me the opportunity, and I came up to my grandmother, and she had all the tubes and all the machinery, and I stand in front of my grandmother, and the Holy Spirit immediately started to talk. And he says to me, You need to repent. He's talking to me, but he's talking about my grandmother. And he says, you need to repent. And you need to start to ask for forgiveness with this sin. And I'm starting naming all the sins supposedly for my grandmother. Because it was my grandmother who was dying. But really, it was me who was dying. Come on now. And so I'm repenting, and I'm saying all these sins. Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, forgive me for this. Lord, forgive me for that. Lord, forgive me for this. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells me, now, on behalf of your grandmother, because I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you know. We're advocates of the Lord. The Bible says, uh, listen to this. This is crazy. The Bible says that you were crucified together with Jesus. I don't know if you captured that. Okay. You were crucified together with Jesus. I I, I don't know. I said, I'm going to say it one more time. You were crucified together with Jesus. That means that your life 
That means your life is meaningful to God, and you are the advocate together with Jesus on the cross for your family. Come on. So now God says to me, accept me into your heart. But I'm supposed to be doing this for my grandmother. I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, come into my heart. And I, and I prayed the salvation prayer. And I'm looking at my grandmother the whole entire time. And this, all this took less than three minutes. All of a sudden, I said to my grandmother, I said to my grandmother, I repented for my grandmother. And when I said these words, in the name of Jesus, I saw, you know, my, mother, my grandmother had the tube in her mouth. I saw her lips moving. She was dead, supposedly, but she was listening to everything. Check this out. We left. We came back the next day. <laughs> My God, I'm telling you something. My grandmother was in another room. She was not even in ICU. She was in a normal room. Not even in an emergency observation. And she was there, but she could not speak because of all the holes that they took out of her throat and whatever, blah, blah, blah. We went back the next day and the next day and the next day. About the fourth or fifth day, all the families there, my wife, myself, and my brother, we get there again. Hallelujah. And we walked into the room. My whole family's there. If you get to know my family, we're, we like to clown around a lot. We're always saying jokes and making a lot of noise. All of a sudden, as we walked in, my grandma tells everybody, shut up! <laughs> in Spanish, yo quiero que todo el mundo se calle. Matriarch society. <laughs> I have to thank God who brought my grandson who I did not see in over 15 years who was the only one who thought about praying and because of him I'm alive See, what I'm trying to tell you is that you might have to go through Peniel. Peniel is a necessary experience for you to experience Bethel. Because you're not going to, hallelujah. See, you need to understand that when you're out there ministering to people and they're going through their Peniel, hallelujah, that's their testimony when they get to Bethel. Come on. And Jacob was left alone. I, come on now. He, it was, it's that alone moment. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's that alone moment. And that's that alone moment when you start fighting with God. You see, because your peniel, hallelujah, is your fight against God. That means that you're really refusing to do what God is telling you to do. So you're fighting against God. That's what peniel is all about. When you're walking through Penuel. That really means that you're fighting tooth and nail against God. 
Because I don't know if you understand the same scripture that I understand when he says that Israel is nothing but a backslidden heifer. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean that they were backsliding. It meant that they were fighting all the way as God was bringing them in. That's what a backslidden person is. It's someone who is fighting God all the way in. And guess what, my friend? Everybody in this room is fighting God all the way in. There's not one that came in voluntarily. If you did, I got to meet you. Because I did not come in voluntarily. Come on. And there's some in the house of God that are still in Peniel fighting against God in the house of God. Come on. In fact, the majority of the church. Come on. Woo! <laughs> Hallelujah. And he was left alone. Come on now. And that's what it takes. And there he wrestled a man. Thank God. <laughs> Can somebody say, thank God for a man? Hey, hallelujah. Thank God for a man. And this is where it all comes to pass. You see, this is where the name comes in. Because he's fighting God. And this is amazing. You know what I got out of the scripture? Everybody's going everybody's gonna to laugh at this. God invented hip-hop. God invented hip-hop. I got this out of the scripture. You're not, you're not getting it. I know you're not getting it. But when I tell you, you're going to say, oh, my God. Okay? So here Jacob is fighting God. Right? The Bible says that God touched him on his hip, and he started to hop. There you go. God taught Jacob in his hip and he started to hop. God invented hip hop. Come on now. Give God praise. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I had to get that in there because, you know, I lived my whole youth through hip hop. So when God showed me, I said, man, God, you're amazing. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he's fighting God. And really what that scripture is saying is, God will break you. Come on. What that scripture is really saying is, God will break you. And if he has to do it over and over and over, and he'll do it over and over until you succumb. Hallelujah. Until you succumb. And once you succumb, that means when you give up, once you finally say, God, you are the man. Because it said here, he was fighting with a man. Hallelujah. So the moment you say, God, you are the man. In other words, what he's saying, God, you are Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. And that's when he makes you confess. What's your name? Well, I'm a liar. What's your name? Well, I'm a thief. What's your name? Well, I'm a drug dealer. What's your name? Well, I'm involved in sorcery. Well, what's your name? I'm an adulterer. What's your name? Well, I'm a fornicator. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then he says, well, guess what? <laughs> You will no longer be called uh, fallen vulture. 
<laughs> he said, hey, you will no longer be called Jacob. Uh, and you will no longer be called the thief. Uh, and you will no longer be called the usurper. Hallelujah. I don't know if you get where I'm coming from. And then God is so, so amazing. And then, and then we think we're so smart. We try to put ourselves in the same level as God. Look at this. This is amazing. This scripture has got so much revelation. Jacob tried to put himself in the same level as God. Because God asked him, what's your name? And then he, he did. He confessed it. And then he tried to be slick. And he said, well, what's your name? And God said, hmm, what? What'd you say? <laughs> you know what God's name is? My name is blessed. Ah, my name is blessed. Ah, my name is blessed. Because it said the moment that he said, what is your name? He said, I blessed him. Amen. My name is blessed. You know why? <laughs> Listen to this. is amazing. If you understand the scripture, God said you no longer should be called Jacob. Your name is Israel. Amen. God called him into his prophetic future. Your name shall no longer be a thief, a liar, a usurper. From here moving on, you are going to be called God fights and blesses. Come on. God fights and blesses. Because Israel means God fights. And then it says, and he blessed them. Come on. Come on. So what the scripture here is actually saying, that your whole entire life struggle is a prophetic God, a prophetic calling from God to put you in the path to becoming a warrior for God. So your whole life struggle, all your pain, all your sorrow has prophetic destiny. So now when you, <laughs> now when you say, God, why am I going through this? Because I need you to be a fighter. I need you to be a warrior. It takes soldiers to be going to somebody's house and take them right out of the hands of the enemy. Right out of the mouth of the lion. Come on. It takes a soldier. It takes a fighter. It takes a warrior. And in this day and age, let me tell you, church, you need to understand something. In this day and age, God is calling a new breed. <laughs> God is calling a new breed. God is calling a new breed. A new breed of what? Hallelujah. My God. So let me go. I will not let thee go. Listen. God brought this man to the position. God wants to bring you to the position. When, when you're fighting God, it's because you don't want to let him go. God said, let, him, let me go. I, I got this. It's all right. No, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go. Get it? 
God wants to bring you to the position where the thing that is coming out of your mouth is, I'm not going to let you go. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And that's a continual fight. Every day, the blessing you got yesterday is not the blessing for today. You already got that one. Now you have to fight for the next one. And you can't let go until you get it. What is your name? His name is Jacob. Jacob asked him his name. But I want to, I want to show you something. Real amazing. He said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And then listen to what he said. This is how powerful. Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, I don't know if you noticed that. For as a prince. In other words, this man was in his lowest state. But God was looking at him as a prince of God. As a prince, you have authority. As a prince, you have power with God and with man. And with man. See, this is where the church has forgotten because we're always talking about all oh, this power, all oh, this authority, all oh, this anointing that we have with God. But the Bible says, with God and with man. So we're looking at our nation, and our nation is divided right in half. And why are we not calling out the authority that we have with God, with man? Hallelujah. And Jacob called that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. Come on, stand up. I need you to understand one thing today. If anything, if you walk out of here with anything, if there's anything in this room that can demonstrate God's power, God's authority, God's mercy, and God's love, and God's grace, and God's joy, and God's love-suffering, long-suffering. If there's anything in this room that could demonstrate that, 
I don't want you to look at your neighbor. You know how every church they would say, hey, tell your neighbor. I, I say it all the time. That's why I'm saying it. But I'm telling you today, tell yourself. Because we're always trying to convince our neighbor when we first have to convince ourselves. So I need you to tell yourself today, I am the proof that God is God. 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 So someone today were to ask you, can you prove to me that God is real? Ah, yes, here I am. God is real. And you no longer have to say, this is the most funniest testimony I've ever heard. When God does a great miracle, a crazy miracle in church, and you want to testify, the first thing they say is, hey, you're not going to believe what happened in church today. <laughs> I heard many people say that. Hey, you're not going to believe what happened in church today. You cut out the blessing right there. You already told me you're not going to believe. I am the proof. Because God has called me. Listen. God has called you. God has called you. Do you understand? God has called you. I don't know what my, God, my calling is. Your calling is called the ministry of reconciliation. One. Two. You're called to pray. Three. Hallelujah. You're called to preach. There you go. Come on. What more we're calling do you want? I never heard God's audible voice. It's written in black and white. And in red. In case you need to know. Oh, you want to see God face to face. I'm going to tell you a couple of things. Look yourself in the mirror. You need to convince yourself that you're called of God. You need to convince yourself huh, that you are God's glory. Hallelujah. You need to convince yourself that you are God's blessing. You need to convince yourself. You need to convince yourself. You need to convince yourself. I am God's glory because you are created and the express image of God. You are God's glory. So when you go to a certain place uh, and the people are saying, let's pray for God's glory. We're here. We're here. We're here. We are here because we are the body of Christ. And if the head is the glory, well, we have to have the glory too. Not his glory, but we are glory together with him. So when you understand that you are God's glory, 
And the moment you walk in, you are walking in in God's glory. The moment you walk in, you're walking in in God's anointing. The moment you're walking in, you're walking in God's authority, in God's power, in God's reign. Come on, you need to understand what's happening here. This is why we're not seeing what we're supposed to see. Because the scripture says it clearly that everywhere a believer goes, if you're a believer, everywhere you go, these signs shall follow everywhere everywhere you go if a believer is in the white house we should see signs and wonders in the white house come on now and i know that you don't want to see anything less than what this word says you don't want to see anything less than what this word says. If you go to the book of Hebrews, and this is where I'm going to end because I'm Pentecostal and I have to end like 10 times. <laughs> if you didn't know Pentecostals have like 10 endings. <laughs> The book of Hebrews says, let us draw away from the basic rudiments of the gospel. Let us draw away from the basic rudiments of the gospel. And we're going to say what it says. And it says a bunch of things. It talks about baptisms and it talks about a bunch of stuff. But what amazes me that it says, and of the raising of the dead, the resurrection of the dead, and of the resurrection of the dead. The Bible says that that is a basic common thing that should be in the church every day. The resurrection of the dead is a basic fundamental of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the church that does not understand that scripture thinks that it's for the super powerful, holy anointed apostles and prophets and teachers and all these other people. No. Basic fundamental. Basic fundamental. That means kindergarten stuff. So, Apostle Victor, we have to call the church to graduate from kindergarten. Because we're talking about we're going to go into the next level. Well, if we're not seeing the resurrection from the dead, that means we're only going into first grade. Huh? If we're not seeing the unity of the body, we want to talk about going to the next level. Let's start doing the basic things. Let's love our brethren. Let's become the, become the united body of Christ. Let's, let's be witnesses to the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we will become a news unto ourselves. Because this is why the gospel was spread like wildfire. Because the, the believers of Jesus Christ, the followers of the way, became a news unto themselves. That's why they became the promoters of the good news. They became a news unto themselves. So you guys are going to go to this park and give out book bags and school supplies and all this other stuff spread that like wildfire.
become a good news unto yourself. Don't let the government steal God's glory. You hear what I just said? What I mean is, don't look unto the government to do what you're supposed to do. That's why it was awesome, that testimony that you gave, that you and the brothers took that girl out. It didn't take really the government agency to say, this is the law, this is what needs to happen, blah, blah, blah. What needed to happen was, believers in the Lord understand that that's wrong. Let's go in there and save that person. Hallelujah, right? Right? Today, And the only way, I'm going to tell you something, and this is a true ending. <laughs> I don't know if there's anybody here who has not accepted or believed in Jesus Christ. But if there's anybody here who has not been able to say, here I am, Jesus. I, I want to be that Jacob who was Jacob. I, I want to be blessed. I want to be the prince. I want to be the princess. If there's somebody here who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I want everybody to close their eyes. If there's anybody here who does not know Jesus, today is the day that God has made specifically for you, for you only. God has brought you into himself. He has allowed you to go through Penuel, but he wants to bring you to Bethel. He wants you to be in his house. If you want to be in God's house, if you, want to, if you want to be blessed of God, right there we at. You don't have to scream. You don't have to shout. You don't have to jump. Just tell God, I'm here. I am he. I am she. I need you. I need you. I need you. And if you are like me, the one that was struggling and doing all the crazy things that I was doing, even though I was a co-pastor and I was all that, blah, 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 and you have been struggling, well, praise the living God. You're in good company. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I need you. I've been struggling, Lord. I give you my heart. Again and again and again and again and again. And today, if there's one thing that I want you to continue saying over and over and over, every time you talk to someone, this word should always come out of your mouth. And I want you to repeat with me. My Lord and my God. Come on, I don't hear you. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. You see that? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. 
You got to make some noise. My Lord and my God. 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 Like if you really mean it, my Lord and my God. And don't you ever forget that. Because when they say to you, hey, this is happening and that is happening and this is what's going on. Oh, really? I got something to say. My Lord and my God. Come on. And this is happening. And that is happening. And this is happening. And that is happening. Really? I got something to say. My Lord and my God. Hallelujah. Come on. Uh, this is happening, and that is happening, and this is happening, and that is happening. I got something for you. My Lord and my God. Uh, come on, Christian Calvary. My Lord and my God. Uh, come on, make some noise. My Lord and my God. Uh, come on, my Lord and my God. Want to hear something amazing? This is amazing. I'm going to give you this book back in the name of my Lord and my God. Here's a pencil in the name of my Lord and my God. You know how important that is? God just says something so crazy to me. You know when you write a covenant and you have to write with a pen? This church needs to make a covenant with itself that every bag, that every pencil, that every notebook, that every pen, that everything that is stuffed is anointed. So that when the kids are carrying the backpacks, they're carrying God's anointing. When they're writing with the pencils, they're writing with God's anointing. When they're writing with the pens, they're writing with God's anointing. Every time they open a notebook, God's anointing is in there. Come on, you need to understand. And there's a covenant of God. These children are going to be touched by God's covenant. Come on. My Lord and my God. 